0: Welcome to Happy Path Programming. I'm Bruce Eckel. I'm James Ward. Happy New Year. Oh, yes, it is. First episode of 2021. Yes. Yes. And you, first of all, have uh, some exciting news. Your Atomic Kotlin book is in print. You've, it is. I just held it in my hand.
1: You do. You have your own copy now. It is thick. <clears throat> yes, it's thick, but... It's still tolerable. Yeah. It's not thinking in Java thick or, well, I don't know what on Java 8 would even look like if it was in print. The Chinese yeah. are doing it. In fact, that leads into because they had asked for a supplementary chapter describing Java 11. And I said, and I thought, well, okay, that wasn't in our original publishing agreement, but I agree we need such a thing. And, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and I'm kind of curious about it. So, yeah, it's, well, and you're done with the Atomic Kotlin book. So, hey,
0: you know, I've got, new projects. well, except for the yeah, yeah. I guess I have multiple projects
1: now. That's There's right. I got our Atomic Scala project, the Scala three book, the yeah. Scala three book. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this, and yeah, doing other things. I'm trying to get all of my uh, all the books that I have, um, the ebook rights to onto Lean Pub eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So that's, yeah. So I have, I have projects to work on, which is nice. Yeah. Good. Um, But, so I started like going into the Java 11 stuff and that, that brought up all kinds of interesting things. But one of the things that I realized is, oh, I'm going to need another. I, I... so this is a separate chapter, but it's running the other, the rest of the book works with Java eight. This got to work with Java 11. I'm going to need a new Gradle. (laughs) <laughs> build file and you were actually the one that when i was working on the java 8 book you were the one that said no no you can't use you can't use ant you have to use gradle and and you ended up like setting up the gradle files for me and because never... it was ant right originally it, uh, well the the um thingy in java uses ant because yeah. that's what we had then yeah and it. um and so at the time i i just like i did with the c plus plus book i wrote a program to automatically generate the ant file so i i called it ant builder yeah Uh, there's there's other things now which use that term yeah um but anyway so it so i wouldn't have to think about it i could add new examples well so now this one i'm going oh i'm going to have to have a separate gradle file but you to deal with the java 11 the job it has to be yeah it has to be different for java 11 it has to have its own you know space and build file and everything yeah and uh so that was, that was what, three, four years ago when oh, I built that, it was, when I did that great old build? I think. More? Might have been more. Yeah. Because. Uh, look in the game. Yeah, it was, it was that. before that because, uh, yeah, I remember yeah. the, that was before the last yeah. election. Yeah. So. Oh wow! So more than four yeah, years it was yeah. So we we time at all least of
0: our year. all of our events in our brain now around around the last four years and
1: the elections
0: mm. that have taken place in the last four mm. years. Huh? Well, and people Those will the probably markers.
1: yeah. At, it, I think eventually it'll it'll just be the pandemic will become the marker. We'll forget the yeah the other things will become. a... <laughs> so okay, forgotten. so just, so I built this Gradle build for your. Uh,
0: for your Java stuff, mm-hmm. your Java book, and I remember there were some struggles, but I don't remember specifically what they were. And then I remember that you needed to make some changes or something to the Gradle build years ago, and I, I like couldn't figure it out or something. And so then, even you though had you had to, written it, yeah, that's right. It's like Perl,
1: you know. Yeah, <laughs> that was my experience. That's why. That's why. I I don't know. I think I used Perl for a couple of months back in the you know, sometime in the later 90s. And then when I went back and tried to read my own Perl code from within the last couple of months, couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And uh that's when I switched to Python. Not, it yeah. wasn't, you know, that was more of a justification, but it wasn't like I was already interested in Python. I wrote a lot, a lot of Perl uh, back
0: in the day. This was like... 98 99 mm-hmm. um right as java was it was kind of becoming a a real thing right uh, i built the whole e-commerce system in Perl. and god maintaining that thing
1: was was but wild. the option back then or at least my recollection when i was trying to you know create my first automated website was well it was pearl or c yeah and bef- and i knew c and so i which which i think pearl was still the better choice than yeah writing everything in c yeah but of course i took the wrong choice and yeah. had to learn that lesson the hard way but even then i yeah managing a website in pearl it's uh i'm luckily, sure they're still out there probably that thing you built is probably still well that's i really would be
0: interested in knowing if any of if anyone's still using my old Pearl e-commerce site, and I hope not because there's got to be so many security issues and I just would be, <laughs> it'd be sad, but, uh, but I, part of the process with that e-commerce site that I remember is that we were just using Apache, like uh, CGI mm-hmm. bin, whatever uh, with Pearl. And my development practice was just to go VI the Pearl file and save it and saving it was the deployment you know it's like all right now now easy it's it's so easy right right and of course I broke it about a million times in the process because you know one little pearl mistake and all of a sudden the shopping cart's down um so yeah learned some things on that that project but anyways back to gradle uh so 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 I couldn't I couldn't figure out or something how to, how to fix your gradle build or do what you needed to do. And so then you call you called in help from somebody else. Some like real gradle expert, I think, who, who helped you like get the thing working at some point. This was years ago.
1: It was years ago. Yeah. I think, I think I got some, but. I, I feel like. They thought it was going to be simpler. And so they. Offered to help, but then when it started getting into the you know details, they um, got too busy or something. Yeah. I, I don't remember the details. I just remember it was just kind of like one challenge. And every time this happened, I was going, "Wow, I feel like I understand this even less, and I just don't get what's going on." And then when I had to build this, you know, I, I had to start looking at this chapter, and I'm going. I don't want to, you know, the last time I tried to get James to help me with this, he, he was in pain, yeah. you know, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to put James, I, I'm just going to have to just sit, take the time, you know, okay, the Kotlin book's over the, you know, the, I just sit down and take whatever amount of time it takes. And I've read, you know, in the past, I think I've read like a couple of books on Gradle and, you know, I did try It just, I couldn't get the mental model right. And that was because I was coming from Make, which I'd spent a lot of time with Make. You know, I I started using Make sometime in the later 80s. So, And then I'd done all kinds of things with that and really understood it to its end um, with Ant. And both of those are configuration-based, by which I mean it's like, well, you just say, this thing depends on that thing and you do this stuff yeah and which is a more limited model so it's
0: you've got the only capabilities you can express are kind of what the build system knows how to interpret from your configuration right and so gradle is infinitely more capable because you can do whatever
1: you want right well and my experience with make was that i mean you had the really original bare bones make but then they started adding stuff to it and they would mm-hmm. add functionality within make the original design was you call out to well it was built under unix so you call yeah. out to unix commands whenever you want to do anything to bring these up to date you know it's the compiler linker whatever yeah. uh, and then people would so it's start just more it- of like
0: an orchestrator of
1: it it's purely dependency management i was going yeah this thing's out of date so do whatever commands you have here so it was very simple but the like in particular with GNU make which i think is mostly the dominant one now that people either use or derive from um they started adding functionality cuz people wanted oh, i you know i'd rather do this inside of make they added more and more functionality and I feel like I followed that mostly to the end. And at the end, it felt like the the developers like were looking over this precipice. And it was, oh, we're actually trying to create a language here. But that's not what we want to do. Yeah. I mean, but if we yeah. add all of these things here, it's ultimately... So yep. I think the shift, and I think Gradle is like one of the first, certainly first really successful implementers of this shift, which is that, oh, a build system really needs a line. It needs to be built on top of a language. Yeah. And that's what they did. But then they did a bunch of other things like because they decided to use Groovy, which I think the idea was that, oh, well, Groovy a runs on the JVM, has access to all the JVM library components, which for the Groovy creators was good yeah um also groovy has some nice dsl-ish features it has dsl-ish it has i mean it has a bunch of features like i understand groovy so much more now Mm -hmm. that i've gone through well i I mean i guess i I initially cut my functional teeth on um scala Mm -hmm. didn't really fully grok it even after writing that book and then going through with kotlin and then i go back to groovy and it's like oh i see what you're doing here yeah. you know this is all this is can we take java and do all these you know clever functional things with it yeah but without that it was hard to you're hard to really oh, see yeah. it and i think ultimately with gradle understanding that this thing is built on top of groovy you know so groovy is is there everywhere hmm. and and so you can't understand Gradle unless you understand Groovy. Yeah. Whereas with Make, it's like, well, there's not that much to understand. It's like you have dependencies and you've got their extra yeah. functionality that eventually got added. And Ant also did that. You know, it's primarily based on the idea of dependencies. You go in to Gradle and you have to understand before you can get to the dependencies, you have to understand we're using Gradle. They've added the DSL stuff on top of that. And then, then understanding that you can use the DSL or not. Yeah. And there's a bunch of different ways to do anything. Yeah. Which, when you're reading other people's code, you have to know all of those ways. Yeah. Or else you can't read their code. And like, even in the documentation for Gradle, they, willy-nilly do it one way do it another way isn't this cool yeah and it's like well now's the there's also the kotlin dsl for gradle which which i wasn't you know i was going i don't understand gradle well enough in groovy to move to kotlin now that i kind of had this breakthrough and i began understanding oh it's groovy number one and then you have a few little additions to it yeah which to be honest, if I was designing a build tool, I would say, you know, I'd probably use Python. Yeah. So I would say, okay, this is Python. And then we have one or two little additions here, which you have to understand, but everything else is Python. So, so you have to understand Python, but I think adding the DSL and the different ways that Groovy allows you to do things. I mean, one of the maxims in, in the Python, um, uh, Zen Python. the Xenopython is there should be one, there should be preferably one and only one good way to do everything. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't have these confusing selections of things. And so, yeah. So, so we just kind of, anyway, so I wrote all this into an article, which got a lot longer than I thought it was. Yeah, going so to be. This is on your blog. This is on the blog. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's called, it's a, it's a pro- ti- title. It is, but I mean, I think it's, it's really, you know, what I see essentially yeah. is the problem with groovy is the problem with Gradle. Uh, sorry, the problem with Gradle. Yeah. And that's the title of the blog, by the way, that is the title of the blog. And it's under, if you go to dot you'll see it. Yeah. So is, is all of these things. And once I understood that now I feel like, Oh, I can do things with this. I mean, you know, it's still, it, it can still be m- messy and, and, and yeah. tricky, but at least I go, oh, I see what's going on here and now I can do things. And I also learned, well, when we, I don't know if you were using IntelliJ back when we did that, but I wasn't. And oh, so yeah. having command completion, you know, I just... I was still using sublime text and I would just go look things up and yeah. it was really hard to do that. Cause you didn't even, yeah. You, yeah. You didn't, so the motivation to move from groovy to Kotlin is, is very compelling now. And I think I can do it because yeah. I understand what's going on. And I also have encountered in many situations where because uh, IntelliJ or anybody can't, infer the type of right in 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 groovy Groovy, yeah yeah the code is not nearly as useful no no because you can't it's like what can i do with this thing what is this thing yeah i don't don't even know what this thing is to look it up myself (laughs) much less what can i do with it and so i am totally i mean that's the next uh thing i want to do is once i get an idea of you know what my build file is going to do, then I want to go through the process of converting it. And yeah. I'm sure I'll write a blog post about that too. Yeah. And you know, sing the praises of of moving <laughs> away from I mean and, I've certainly had
0: my challenges with Gradle and the using the Kotlin DSL. It's sure. uh which which for me, a lot of the challenges just come to like really one of the fundamental problems I have with a lot of stuff right now. Stuff. Is a lot of stuff. There's no type is, on your stuff. So I don't know what you're talking about. So, uh, Gradle, Gradle has, it, it takes your, your code that you've defined your build in and somehow magically like turns that into the configuration that it needs to actually like run tasks and do whatever it needs to do. And there's a life cycle. Yes. That, is inherent in how it's actually taking your DSL and turning it into that configuration. Mm -hmm. But that life cycle is hidden.
1: But you still have to understand it.
0: Yes. Yes. Which I still don't understand it. And The so the the life cycle for how it's actually like like when it actually executes certain things and values get set and when it needs values and when you read another value from another place like how that whole life cycle actually happens is still just a giant mystery of like state mutation which I don't understand and then it is further complicated because in Kotlin and uh, really or in, in Gradle mostly from I think the groovy ways, but in some ways also from Kotlin builders, which I also
1: hate, uh, there's yes, also, because there's the also... builders from like the task is a builder and they, I think that was yes. one of the attractions to move it to Kotlin yes, they could use yeah, the, the builder, builder. Yep. Syntax, syntax, there. syntax for the builders. So, so that's all great, except
0: for the fact that, that what most of the time is happening under the covers is that it's actually mutating things. And so you've got like, and wait,
1: remind me you like mutation. <laughs> so, so there's this like, like mutation happening. No, he doesn't. I just want to be Thank clear you. on that. He does not like
0: mutation um, at all. Yep. I do not like mutation at all. Immutability, but it's so, okay. Scimmering. So there's, so there's, there's, a, there's mutation happening in like the build, but then there's also the life cycle that is doing its own kind of mutation as well. And so those two things intermingled basically means that I can never actually understand how I got to the state that I'm in and where to put something to change the state at the right time. And it's just like debugging. Yeah. And so, so I actually really prefer SPT's way of doing things Mm -hmm. because it's immutable, Mm -hmm. first of all. So that means at any point in time, I can, I can understand here's a state. Here's how I got here. Here's how to change it. And there's great debugging tools in in SPT that I can go into and be like, what is this value? And how did you get to that value? And SPT has tools that enable me to do that well. And so that's always been my biggest beef with Gradle is that there's, there's just this magic uh, state mutating machine that is happening from multiple angles that I can't comprehend. And whether you're in the Groovy DSL or the Kotlin DSL, that's the, that is the fact of of life in Gradle. And that's that's been the biggest challenge that I've had. Um, hmm. I do like the Kotlin DSL, and I've written a lot of stuff in the Kotlin DSL lately. And it is a huge improvement over Groovy, but no one is using the Kotlin DSL. And so I'm like... How can you tell? Uh, like looking through GitHub repos and stuff, whenever I go to like a GitHub repo, that's a Gradle build. It's always build.gradle, not build.gradle.kts. Unless you go to one of my repos, which are like the only ones on GitHub that use KTS basically. Uh, and so I'm like, why aren't people
1: adopting this? Like it's, it's an, it's an improvement. (sighs) Well, Um, you see, but they may be having the same experience that I did, which is, I don't understand this, but I understand, you know, I got this far and it's working. That's right. This idea of changing it to this new language, which maybe I don't know yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I had to put all this investment into understanding enough groovy <laughs> to do this. I don't want to touch it. Yeah. And in the feedback that I got from on on Reddit, because I've been using that as my feedback mechanism. Yeah, that's where you do comments for your blog. Yeah, it's nice. There's some good discussion on there. Yeah,
0: a lot of people complained about SBT, which was interesting. Did they? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I,
1: I must. have. <laughs> There's a whole
0: it. whole uh, giant okay. thread about oh, SPT but... on there. But um, so. So I, I do like the Kotlin DSL but no one's using it which creates a challenge of there's a lot of places where where I'll find like a, a great old snippet groovy snippet and there's not a a corresponding Kotlin snippet and so then I have to figure out how to do that conversion and like every time I have to figure out how to do that conversion I'm just like pounding my head against the wall which part of it is like me. It's just like the syntactical differences between like how you do something in the groovy one versus how you do something in the Kotlin one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, because the Kotlin one, just as an example, because the Kotlin one is all type safe, obviously, which is great, mm-hmm. you have to use a different syntax to like look up a source set. Whereas mm-hmm. groovy, because it's dynamic, you can just be like source sets dot main or source sets dot Java or whatever it is. And then somehow magically... Gradle goes and, biz, and and does that lookup, but source sets doesn't have a dot main or whatever it is on it, actually. Like there's some dynamic lookup oh, that Gradle is doing. See, and so when you're that. in the Kotlin DSL, you can't do source sets dot whatever. And so, so like, this is just one example where it took me a while to figure out, okay, how do I do this thing in the Kotlin DSL? And of course there's a Kotlin syntax that you have to use to do that. And you're using like a string because, you know, it's dynamic and has to, that's how it does the lookup or there's another way. There's actually another way to do, there's like at least three different ways to do this particular thing. One is you do the, um, vowel by, uh, by, um, getting, or, uh, somehow, somehow you can like, like create a vowel with the name of the thing. And somehow that, then, if you do the val foo by this thing, then then that allows you to to not use like a string lookup um, for that thing. What, right. Anyways, there's multiple are, ways. Are you, to...
1: <laughs> do you have something against cleverness? What, what is there? What is your problem with this? I, I
2: don't understand.
0: It's I I don't mind the cleverness. What I mind is that because there no one is really using build.gradle that KTS, there is very little help out there for uh, me when I need when, when you're I, when like, I'm lost there's not a, there's
1: there's not much on stack
2: Overflow or anything right
0: yeah so a lot of times I would go to stack Overflow to find some answer to something and the answer was in groovy and then I would have to figure out how to convert it to Colin and then there were magic tricks and, and then there were magic tricks yeah. that I had to figure out and uh, like, yeah. I over the last year I have Pounded my head against Gradle for like many days, possibly I don't know, I won't go as far as weeks, but many days I've sat there just like like head pounding, trying to like do the stuff. And, you know, I've got some complicated builds that are like uh, Kotlin multi-project, like uh, emitting different artifact types for different sub-projects. And,
1: like, it's, you know, it's not trivial. I know your problem. I know the problem here, which is, you remember when your friend rented the place in San Diego? Yeah, Yeah, John. Yeah, so we were having this, he and I were having this conversation, I think you were there, and we realized that the problem with so much of this stuff and the problem that you were having there that I solved when I was working on this was urgency. Uh. See, because what worked for me, because I had done this pounding my head against it was allowing myself to just say, however long it takes, just, just, relax and just you know because yeah. when you get frustrated by it it's usually because you're going it's not happening fast enough yeah for whatever reason it was if, definitely not happening fast enough for mm-hmm. me. yeah yeah and you just have to kind of relax into it and go however long it takes i'm gonna i'm gonna put so have time you in. uh have you
0: ever heard how athletes talk about the pain cave no so um We've got a local guy, Hefe, uh, who's an amazing mountain biker, and he does these crazy mountain bike rides. Where there's one that's on the Colorado Trail, so they like start in Durango or Denver, basically, and do the whole Colorado Trail, and it's a race. And so this is like four or five hundred miles of of mountain biking, and they do it in like three days. They don't sleep, like just like like nonstop ride your mountain bike across Colorado, no sleep. And, and so like, like, like Hefe talks about like being in the pain cave, because like you just suffer. He did another one that starts in Canada and goes to Mexico along the continental divide. And so like, it's like 12 days or something like that, where he just rides and, and, uh, anyways, so the, so he talks about the pain cave and being in the pain cave, and so I I uh, when I tweeted that I finally got this great old build working, this was for a gRPC Kotlin example project. I was like, I spent a few days in the pain cave getting this build working so that you don't have to, <laughs> and uh, I was proud of that one because that's like what it felt like. Like I I just like had to sink into the pain cave and just be there and fight until I got to the other side. And I finally did get to the other side on that one. But I, I, yeah, I'm not...
1: I'm not you, that's I, not your I'm methodology to, for... Well, no, because I find that the pain the pain makes me naturally want... I mean, you know, when you have a single cell organism and you poke it, it moves away from the pain. So I, I think, you know, for me, just kind of relaxing and, and not not making it pain by... Not being in a race, you know, <laughs> just going. I, well, or, it's funny the correlation between
0: pain cave and race because why would you go into the pain cave if it's not a race?
1: Well, and the maybe. urgency, the urgency, yeah, point it's the urgency factor. In. And, and wow. I also think you need to try my new, um, e mountain bike because <laughs> you'll discover <laughs> you never have to go into the pain cave with an e bike. <laughs> you know, the thing is, you still get hot and sweaty, yeah, because but you go. So much further, and you're not always have a smile on your face. You do. It's all I'm going further because I want to, not because I think I have to. It's that I'm, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah, those those uber athletes, they they, know
0: we should leave the pancake for them. Yeah, yeah. One of my one of my friends, I started road biking a long time ago, Dwayne Nicol, it's road biking with him. And I was going up this hill and it was hard. And I was like, my face was just all like mangled. And he's like, you now you know that you should back off. He said, if you're mangling your face and don't have a smile, he said, just back off. I know, but it's so, you know. Uh, so I, my face was probably pretty mangled when I was working on that grade Oh, bubble. yeah. And
1: when you really, it's it is hard to, because I feel like we've been trained all our life to push. You know, you've got to you got to accomplish things every day or else you're an invalid person. You've got to you've got to be, you know, and you get this idea in your head of I've got to make progress. I've got to do things and stuff. And it all adds to that. And I'll tell you one of the when I'm able to achieve this, which has only been it's it's a rare occasion when somehow I wake up and I go, I'm not going to do anything today. And then this idea floats up that goes, here's this thing. As long as you're not doing anything, here's this thing that would be really entertaining and awesome to go into. And it doesn't contribute to anything important or whatever. And I sit down and I have the best time. I learn a new thing. And ultimately, it does contribute a lot. And it's so satisfying because I've taken all the pressure off. And I feel like I'm way more productive on those days and the days that I think. normal days when i'm going oh i have to be productive yeah so i feel like there's really something to
0: this yeah i've been practicing meditation a bit and you need to figure out how to bring meditation and those practices into my coding yeah that might be good
1: yeah Yeah. well i think so much of it and and i feel like biking was another thing just realizing that i have this little gremlin in my brain that's saying oh you got to push or else you know you're not getting the right amount of exercise or or something and then when you realize how much to so that you're not like hurting your well it or you know you're not you're not pushing too hard how much you actually have to throttle back it's a lot yeah it's like to yeah. be able to go, like go up a hill and be comfortable and not getting out of breath a lot and everything you really have to go way back yeah yeah but that's where you need to be. I mean, it's the same thing as, as working at, you know, I wasn't able to crack the gradle thing until I just throttled so far back (laughs) that I'm just going, okay, I'm just going to just look at this as an entertaining little puzzle. Yeah. And so what I did in the article was I wrote, um, I, I had these, you know, various points about, and I think we've, we've covered most of them about, and, and at the very beginning, I said with apologies to Hans' doctor because we yeah. we both know Hans and Hans he's is a great, great guy. And he's a great guy, and I think you know who knows. I think maybe my theory is that growing up German, you know, where learning long convoluted words is just normal, so you just go, oh, you just learn the things, yeah, and that changes your way of designing yeah. stuff. And I I suspect so. I don't you know, I don't, and and this. It, Caught, um, Gradle is an experiment, I think, in yeah. in looking at well, we need to take a language and adopt it as adapt it to be a build system. Yeah, and this was you know pretty much one of the first ones that's done that. And so of course there are going to be these little hiccups. Yeah. and I would say you know have one way to do it and don't use a DSL and you know all these other things would be. And and design it maybe around a a static language rather than a dynamic language. Yeah, I mean, if
0: they had started with Kotlin, I think that maybe our experience... Which didn't exist at the time. Yeah.
1: I think that our experience with Gradle could be
0: significantly different.
1: Well, because that would have influenced the design of Gradle. Right. Using Kotlin would have. Well, now so many of the plugins are built
0: in, in... uh they're not built in groovy but they're built for the groovy DSL mm-hmm. that they're written in java though yeah, yeah. i think most of, most of them cuz it's all in the java, java so that would yeah. make sense yeah um but but because they were written for the groovy DSL most of them uh they they feel weird from the kotlin side mm-hmm. a lot of times yep. whereas it, you know if they had started had been able to start with kotlin i think the plugins would have been written with a different mentality and probably would 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 have the same weird things that I run into with plugins
1: from the Kotlin DSL. I still feel like I mean this is a little itch in the back of my head that I'm thinking I could do some. I mean people have created build systems with Python. Yeah. But especially now that Python has the optional static typing. Yeah. I feel like I could do something with that, you know, I don't know. I just, keep... so we've talked about like the, the trade-offs
0: between like declarative languages and general purpose languages a number of times mm-hmm. and on this podcast. And what I, what I'm really fascinated in is the doll approach, um, right? where it's, it, it is in that middle ground between declarative and general purpose but done in such a way that you, it's it's typed. It has all these nice features that would be really helpful in places where you're constrained to a declarative language, but you don't have all of the things that you can do in a full general purpose language. And so I'm fascinated. I remember, we found at least I think two build tools that were using Doll for their for their language. So, I need to give one
1: of those a try and see how it feels. And maybe I just didn't delve into it deeply enough, but there was something about Doll that just didn't grab me when Um, I looked at it. It has some significant
0: limitations. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't, I think you can't create a state machine with it uh, intentionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, There just is is limitations imposed that are necessary to. create the reproducible builds that mm. they, that they aim for or mm-hmm. uh, re- reproducibility Ness of, of what they aim for um, because it's, it's also a functional language. So mm. like referential transparency is, is a, uh, I think a critical piece for them. And there are certain features that if they added, it would make it so you could break referential transparency. So,
1: oh yeah, I, I don't know what it was anyway. It sounds like it's something worth keeping eyes on. Cause there's always just like,
0: when you're declarative, you hit that, you hit that cliff Mm -hmm. and then it's like, ah, what do I do now? I'm stuck. You don't, I don't have the flexibility, but then on the gradle side, it's the other it's a other trade off where it's like, okay, I have a general purpose language that I can do whatever in, but then it's like, Oh man, there's a lot of reasons what a lot of downsides to to the to that. Um, learnability, the many ways to do things, you know, like kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So Yeah. Um so, oh, there was a response to your blog. Uh, a guy named Cedric wrote up a very lengthy blog, kind of responding to all oh, of did. your points, kind of one by one. Oh, um, I've seen that. It was a little defensive. I think he works for Gradle, mm-hmm. um, but it was also helpful. There was good information in it. Cool. Um, yeah, I think like some of it, he was trying to correct perception, and and um, I didn't. I skimmed a lot of it, but
1: it mm-hmm. looked it looked helpful and interesting. Well, that's that's good to know. I'll have to I'll have to look at that. And I mean, my conclusion was, oh, I mean, my goal in writing this was to say, here are the things that tripped me up. In trying to understand this, especially coming from other more traditionally designed build systems, now I understand it and I can use it. So it wasn't like I wasn't like going, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. No one should ever use it because I don't think we have a choice in a lot of cases. Yeah. And a lot of the feedback I got was, oh, you know, kind of thanks for pointing that out because I was having those that I yeah. was stuck in those same areas too. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, you weren't not, alone.
0: You're not alone. I'm not
1: your, alone. In fact, experience. I feel empowered now that I, you know, yeah. see what the issues are that I was assuming weren't there. Yeah. So, um so I think ultimately that's, that was, that was my goal. Yeah. Just to let yeah. people know that you're not alone you're not in alone. in your so just struggling through this thing and yeah i mean possible. i am
0: still going to use gradle for a lot of my projects like even mm-hmm. though i struggle with it um i i do think there's some really great great things about it and and i'll continue to use it until um, something better comes along until something better comes along right i mean if i'm in scala i'm using SBT, and sure. i actually like SBT now like it was it was challenging at first but mm-hmm. now i've gotten used to it um mm-hmm. i don't think SBT is
1: perfect but uh but see, that's an interesting thing, because then you, a Scala programmer, are using Scala for your build. Yeah, And so I think, you know, it's like, huh, it seems like if you're programming, it's going to be a lot easier for you to use the language that you're programming in yeah. for your build system. Well, and that's where I really like with Gradle, is that my all
0: of my code is Kotlin, but then my build is also Kotlin as well. And mm-hmm. I think there's some nice... Things about that,
1: Uh, yeah. So going forward, as I think we're going to see a lot of movement to Kotlin, just because it's, you know, it's got so many vast advantages over over Java um, that people will be using the Kotlin for their Gradle builds as well. Yeah, I think it'll get there. It'd have been interesting if if Gradle instead
0: of adding the Kotlin DSL. Had basically just like forked Gradle and called it Cradle and made it like just Cradle with a K, yeah, right, yeah, right. Um, Redesigned it, yeah, redesigned it around Kotlin. Yeah, I think that you know, then you certainly have the trade-off of oh, then people have to migrate to that, but it feels like you have to migrate to KTS and it's challenging, and
1: Mm I don't know, maybe right. I mean, the migration
0: is there anyway. Rewrite
1: Gradle. Kotlin first yeah yeah (laughs) Um, or even even more ambitious would be to figure out what the essence of a build system is (laughs) and set it up so that whatever language you're using you can you know use this external component with your language to make your build system yeah and then you're not i mean it's the same thing that happened with um javascript it's like people go i know javascript really well i want to use it on on the desktop or the server or whatever as well as on the client yeah and it's like well that's a pretty strong uh motivation for for them to have done all that stuff so that that can happen
2: yeah
1: so they can write JavaScript everywhere, and so it's a real thing. So, being and now most them, of those people don't want to write JavaScript anywhere, which is <laughs>
0: interesting. They've <laughs> all moved on to TypeScript. So. Oh well, yes, sure, but, um, yeah, because it's yeah. yeah. But it's so but, now you're back to a compiler. It's like, well, if you have to have a compiler, then um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny. The for me, there's this giant slippery slope of a lot of times I'm working on a project and I'm like, I really don't like how this is set up. And then it's like, okay, now I'm going to have to tweak the build, but Mm. I really don't like how I have to like tweak this build. Yeah, And then I'm like, okay, like in my ideal world, I'm going to have to create a new build tool. And then the slippery, (laughs) slope to it is I, you know, like, like so many problems, I like get to this, this point where I'm like, I'm going to have to build my own build tool. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is always, I'm going to have to create my own programming language so that I can have a good experience in my own build tool. And then I'm like, well, to create my own programming language, I'm probably going to have to like, create my, a new VM. And to create any new VM, I, we really need to rethink CPU architecture. Like, I just like... So and, you, you're going to redesign
1: the CPU so you
0: can create... Yeah. So that I can create my own build tool. Yeah. And yeah. then you go, and then and then you have a stack overflow. <laughs> and, and then I'm like, ah, of course, I'm not going to do any of that. So no, let me just get no.
1: back to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fun right. fantasy, but... Oh, I, I, I do that regularly. But see, for me, I end up... Any project I work on, I end up creating build systems almost always in python because it's possible um and then anytime i need some because i need to automate everything because i can't i mean by the time you have all these different tasks and processes you're going well and especially with a book you have to do them over and over and over again so have to automate everything yeah and so i'm you know I have to end up generating my own build tool, but the dependency management stuff is I I was at a PyCon once and I worked with a guy who was creating a library just to do dependency management with, I think more or less within Python so that you could add this library and then have a build tool. So kind of like what I was saying, but once you start looking and then I think all of his stuff was internal dependency management, whereas you know, the reason we needed ant that make didn't work is because, well, we have dependencies on libraries that are yeah. outside and, and, uh, actually that kind of gives us a little bit of a segue into the Java 11 stuff.
0: Yes. So you, you mentioned at the beginning that you were working on, uh, maybe adding a Java 11 section and have you been a chapter. exploring? It? Yeah. It's a chapter at
1: the end just to like, let people know, What's going on with all this? And it turns out, well, there is a lot of stuff to understand, yeah. not not in terms of the language, but in terms of things like, oh, well, w- we now have this new, you know, release thing in Java, which I'd sort of been ignoring the release cadence. The right. release cadence, you know, they decided, well, we it's want like every to... six months now. Isn't it's, they yeah, it's like every six months, and what those six month releases are are really experimental features that they want to try out and and if you really look at the problem that that team is encountering it's enormous because you've got all these people using java you can't do anything that will break it but you need to somehow get them to test this stuff yeah and uh you were saying that the that the the experimental releases or something nobody was taking seriously. So I think before they moved to the, to the release case, which was probably the motivation. Cause you go, Oh, I'm going from Java. Why would I use this preview release? Like, exactly. That's, that just sounds like a hassle or, you know, yeah. Tricky or whatever. And I've certainly, I I believe I've seen several blog posts while I'm researching this, where they're going, Oh, there's this new feature in uh, Java and then i don't hear anything more about it and my only assumption is that oh that didn't work out or it caused problems or whatever so what you're seeing with these intermediate releases which have numbers that sound like they're you know official releases are that's the experimental releases Mm -hmm. and i think people have kind of started to figure this out because the long-term releases are like the serious ones that are getting you know so those are the real releases so java 11 is one of those long-term releases Mm. and even though gosh i think the support on that is ending tomorrow or something i don't know (laughs) it's like keeping track of that's a little tricky but yeah but so so the long-term releases are the serious releases but even then it seems like there's a lot of companies that are going. Ah, Java eight is fine with us. You know, oh, yeah, the vast majority is still on Java eight. Which because it's
0: like, why? What do we, why? What's the motivating reason to right. to, to move forward?
1: And, and there's some like Java eleven has some, oh, you know, additions to libraries and things like that. But normally that would be kind of noise level stuff. The only yeah. really serious feature that they have is the var, which is supposed to be um type inference. Oh, that's right. But yeah. oh yeah, that's, that's which version is that in? That's 11. That's all Well, I you know they introduced it in 9 or 10, I okay. guess, but then it's actually official in 11. But I mean, it's not really type inference cuz on the right hand, it basically what it does is before you'd have to say the new all the details about the object and on the left hand side of the equals you'd have to say The type of the object, you know, so you were basically repeating yourself, and people found that annoying, both to write and to read.
2: And so, it's
1: for the compiler, not for the human. Yes, it is. And um, so now, on the left hand side, you can say var, but considering that that's, you know, three features away, that's can you say val for a final? There are no valves. There's, you know, everything's no, just you you have to go to another. You say final var. Um, well, I will eventually yeah. have examples As you, of all that that's stuff. Right. Once you write your chapter. You yes, can, I will. I will. Well, see, into so it. I
0: haven't done anything with really any of this Java stuff beyond Java eight. Yeah. Uh, the module system I've run into a few times. That's the, that's the other thing, just which is actually bigger.
1: Felt pain is my it, experience. But yeah. I don't, even know, what, I don't even know what it's there for. I don't know. Well, it's there. Okay. there's a, there's a number of reasons that it's there. One of the biggest is that you can't have private classes. I mean, you can have nested private classes, but you can't have private classes. So basically everything in a package is visible and available, even though you don't necessarily want it to be. Okay. And on top of that, at runtime, even if you have like a private nested class, you can use reflection to get uh, through uh, it. You'll see, you, I can't remember. You you like Love reflection? Love reflection. Okay, reflection. He's being sarcastic. He doesn't like reflection. Um, so you can use reflection to get at those private nested classes and still use them. So yeah. so that's that's a big part of it. But um, So the module system locks down... The module system allows you to make creates boundaries. parts of a module private. In fact, you have to explicitly say... Um, I mean, there's a number of different ways to allow use of this. You can you can s- be very specific and say this other module has permission to use these components of my module. And you can say exactly what components they are. Or you can say anybody can use these components, okay. but nothing else. So it's the kind of thing, you know, once you start grasping it, you go, oh, this is one of those things that should have been in the language From the beginning. I mean, like Python's module system is, I mean, they don't have privacy, but, but their module organization system was basically in there from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more seamless. Yeah. Because with this, you have to be able to work with old code as well as module code. Yeah. And so there's this, you get this kind of distinct uh, division that you feel. Yeah. It, and I mean, once you see it, you go, Oh yeah, we should have had this all along. This was, this was a total oversight by Gosling and those guys who yeah. thought that they walked on water and, and all of the the features that they, I mean, like, you, you know, you look at the thread system, they just threw that in without thinking about it. And we've had to back away from one thing after another because it's broken yeah. boy. And for me to, and the thing is, you know, there wasn't information about that when, and especially in the early days. I got a um, a dual processor computer when I was working on—I don't remember which version of Thinking in Java—and hmm. the thing was, I mean, the fans and everything were so hmm. noisy that I would wear ear protection while hmm. I was while I was working on it because it was just incredibly loud. Hmm. But then I kept finding—you know—I'm trying to write you know, multi-threaded code to demonstrate these things. And I keep finding these weird things and I'm going, what am I doing wrong? I don't understand this. And then years later discover that, oh, well, they had made these fundamental errors in the threading system because they were removing, oh, we have to remove this feature. We have to remove this feature in the threading. And now it's, yeah, it was, uh yeah. I i mean, this is one of the things that I love about the Python community is that there's no arrogance at all. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it starts at the beginning, which is like, don't like Python. Don't use it. Find what works for you. I mean, just and from there on, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, we tried these things and it didn't work and we're fixing it. And, uh, you know, but none of this. Oh,
2: we we're didn't. awesome.
1: Yeah. We know better than everyone. We know better than everyone else. Yeah. So so those are really the two major reasons to move to Java 11 is the VAR, which probably isn't going to motivate anybody to move. It's convenient and, yeah. you know, cleans up your code a little bit. But um, but then the, the module system, which, um, yeah, we should have had that all along and it should have been internalized. But a lot of people, I think, are still going, how mm-hmm. uh, this works for me, I'm not having yeah. any problems with it. A lot of it, I think, may be <clears throat> motivated by the internal, um, you know, JDK developers saying, "Well, people are using stuff they shouldn't." Uh, oh,
0: right. That's a yeah, big they're part. They're trying of it. to like get rid of access to like the sun dot um, unsafe, dot unsafe. All
2: kinds of
1: all any anything that this is an internal implementation, and you shouldn't have access yeah. to it. That and then. That allows them to do the um, well. I think the reason they called it jigsaw was so that we can, for example, in smaller devices where we don't have oh, yeah. room for the entire library, yep. we can just use the be- down. again something that would have been nice to have had from the very beginning. You know, yeah. if if the designers had really yeah. been as good as they claimed to have been at that time,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, because you know, you you look at. Poor Brian Katz is having to yeah. figure out how to fix all these things and not break all the code. And I mean, I'm you know, we can we can say, oh, this isn't good and that isn't good. But when you look at it from his position, it's like, oh my gosh, I would not want his job, I have to say. He's he's, he's got to balance a lot oh, of things. Oh my gosh, and 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 how he's done it for as long as he had. It just must be, see, he's probably taken the pressure off of himself so he can look at it and go oh this is a really interesting problem to solve yeah. that's it yep. and i mean he's got that kind of a brain yeah that yeah. he just loves to solve yeah. tough problems and yay yay that that's... we have brian doing that for us because i sure would yeah. want to do that job yeah he's amazing he is i i haven't done
0: anything with the module system yet i've got a open issue against my web jar stuff where somebody has asked for me to add support for modules. So it's like on my list, it's been on my list
1: forever, but I'm like, I, oh, I well, I'm gonna have wait, to learn a whole
0: new thing. Well,
1: wait till I write this chapter. Cause yeah. my goal is to go and, you know, dig into all of the different ways to, you know, to, to be a full explanation of it. Cause that's the, that's the main challenge. Yeah. You know, the VAR thing is, you know, here's a piece of code that we saw earlier in the book. Here's with there. See, that's nicer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, But the module
1: system is, is the thing that's going to take. I think what's going
0: to have me like cause me to move forward. Finally on the JVM is the loom stuff, uh, which is the green thread fiber based concurrency Mm -hmm. model Mm -hmm. and some really interesting things that I think will come out of that.
1: But that's not till that's is, 16, is that an,
0: seventeen or, I think I seventeen is yeah. the long term
1: support version okay yeah hey, it's, so. it's hard to, it's, and and
0: is I may move from eight to sixteen, I'm gonna double my versions um you know when
1: sixteen comes out or whatever, yeah
0: or sixteen even out, I don't even know have um, I'm still on eight.
1: Yeah. I mean, every six months is, is taking some getting used to. Yeah. I think most people are still on eight. Yeah. So um, yeah, all the surveys are mu- almost the vast majority of production systems yeah. are still on eight because they don't need vera and they work fine with, I mean, and, and the stuff that I read is people say, well, it looks like a bunch of work. And it works now and yeah. I'm not having trouble with it. So I don't want to do it. The people who have moved to it say, oh yeah, this, I mean, when you have a big project and you're trying to structure it and everything, this is much nicer. It's worth doing. Yeah. But if somebody already has a big project, which is working and they, you know, they're going, it, it's, it's very much a um, technical debt yeah. problem. And it's like, well, you put a lot of work in and nothing changes except later when you add more stuff it's it's more stable so you know for maybe new projects i would yeah i would certainly say oh yeah you would want to structure with, it around yeah. the module system because yeah. yeah. it's going to be easier to think about too yeah. yeah but but yeah wait till i wait till i do this because I, I i think it'll make yeah for me i don't even really write that much job
0: anymore i'm mostly writing kotlin and scala so so it's like the language features that they're adding don't right that's not for me yeah i did write some java yesterday for the first time in a while and how was that semicolons semicolons i I know it's like can't get used oh
1: my god it's like well especially because every time you have to type one, it's a little annoyance you it's it's always like oh you couldn't be bothered yeah so i have to do i mean groovy doesn't have semicolons you know i mean it's not like it's been around this idea has been around for a short time it's you know it's it's like ah, oh, come on yeah come on but taking them out now i'm sure would be impossible yeah and yeah it's just the nature of it so the, another reason to move to kotlin or yeah, or we'll see what scala 3 is like or
0: yeah yeah we've been having some fun with scala 3 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. as we've been working through some of the atomic scala updates mm-hmm. um there's the surface area is just massive like i think when we do the the scala three atomic atomic Scala book it's going to be like like 50 percent bigger than the atomic kotlin one
1: maybe really twice as big because yeah. atomic kotlin was pretty thorough coverage of the language so yeah. um i think just the surface area is massive
0: for scala so yeah I, to I, be I feel able like to have show a
1: to yeah and it's kind of like well that's that's what it needs yeah. And when we when Diane and I wrote the original, because um, we should probably specify Atomic Scala three, because it's Scala not the 3. third edition. That's it's, right. it's a new book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, when we were doing it, we were specifically trying to s- not go into the, uh, you know, more advanced features. We yeah. were just trying to get people up to a basic yeah. understanding. Whereas here. I think we want to, you know. My interest is I feel like I'm able to think about the the more advanced features now. And once that's the case, it's like, well, I want to show all the interesting things you can do with these. Yeah, you know, so people can go away with like a strong understanding of type classes and. Yeah. Uh, algebraic data types and why you would, you know, yep. sm- ideally the smallest examples that we can do, but still enough. So somebody comes away going, Oh yeah, I know what this feature is for. So, and yeah, it's probably going to be bigger. Who knows?
0: Yeah. I mean, we just learned about a new feature that I wasn't aware of, which was the singleton types. So Dean Wampler's had that blog post about singleton types where you can say a type can be a value basically. Oh, right. so, so you can say, I have a type that is the integer one and, and so that's a type that can only hold that one value. So it is
1: of the type one. Yeah. 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 That's going to take a while to get my brain around that. Yeah. And now you can't, but I couldn't say, okay, so this is the integer one and it's of the type range one through three. I'm not able to do that. Or is that Uh, because that's the first place that my way, you know, it's,
0: you may be able to create a
1: range
0: i, I mean, yeah well we'll have, to explore, you, yeah, we'll have to explore We'll that to explore we'll we'll either have to show that you can or can't do yeah. that so the wild part was that once you get these types you can actually do algebra on the types uh in in a variety of different ways like you can you can create a new type that is the type one plus the type two which is the same as the type three and you do that all in the type system. It's just, yeah, mind blowing. We will have to explore that all later. But, but I mean, that's just that one feature is going to, you know, we cover that in, in Atomic Scala three. So that's just one of many, many, many features.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Well, that's, no, it's going to be, be interesting. Looking forward it to is. Um, and then I had a, I had brought up a question. How are we doing? Good. Okay, I brought up a question because I I think it was in the process of working on this Java 11 chapter um, about um, semantic versioning because oh, I saw
0: something. We get some time to talk about SemVer, one of my
1: favorite topics. One of your favorite topics. So I saw one thing where they said that the only reason that you would go from a, one major release to the next is if if the n- new version has breaking changes. And so, I mean, that works. Yeah, breaking API changes. Breaking API changes. Okay, so, well, how does that work? I mean, Python went from two to three because it had breaking language changes. Yeah, I don't think Python necessarily follows Sumber. Yeah, Um, okay. But it seems like if that was the case, if it was like breaking changes was the only reason to go from one major version to another, There's a lot of projects that would never, Never you know, because it's like, why would you, I mean, breaking changes, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, the
0: Java ecosystem, especially like was very, has been very hesitant to ever make breaking changes Mm -hmm. to their APIs. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, you could see in the Java ecosystem, if they were following Semver, like everything would just always be 1.0 or, (laughs) you know, whatever, one point or one point something. Uh, So the Semver... Came mostly out of the Node community, where they love to break things. Right? It's like like APIs change all the time in the world of Node, and so uh, and in very dramatic ways. And so, I think one of the goals of Sumver was to try to capture that the semantics of those those breaking breaking breakages mm-hmm. and encode that into versions so you know if you go from one to two that you you may
1: have to actually change some of your code that uses that library so they're doing it all the time so so they were basically solving a problem that they had and not looking at it in the general programming world yeah and and
0: now a lot of people are starting to adopt Semver. the my biggest beef with it is that that we the information about breakages mm-hmm. is something that our tools can actually tell us, so when we change an API, our tools can be like, "Oh, you changed this API," and then any consumer of that API should be able to to know if they are using an API that has changed so like to me, all this should just be in tooling like mm-hmm. like. The but
1: fact is that, that true a human in has to. Though? Is that
0: what you no, said? No, no. So, so, oh. so, with Semver, the way that it is usually done is it's up to the human to decide what the new version number should be based on the rules of semantic versioning. Mm-hmm. And then it's also up to the consumer of that API when they bump a version to kind of know what they're getting into. And so it's all just like for humans when I think that it could just be tooled and Elm actually did this. So Elm uses Semver, but the way that Elm did it was you don't get to pick your version number when you are using Elm, when you create The tool decides. The tool decides. Ah. So they still use Semver, but the tool decides what, whether to bump major, minor or patch because it knows what you've changed. And I'm like, okay, Like, like that's one step in the right direction. It still is up to the consumer to, to know like uh, what they're getting into when they bump the version number, or it's like, all this stuff should just be tool. Like, and if you are going to change an API, like there should be a way for tools to automatically migrate your code. Like, like all this stuff should be tool. Like it's take the human and the, uh, like that whole side out of it. So that's my beef with Semver. is like. It's it one. It doesn't actually necessarily reflect reality unless mm-hmm. you're using Elm because it's up to the human to decide, uh, and it doesn't even necessarily reflect reality correctly because uh, they say that you can bump the patch version if all that you've done is fix a bug, but not chain, not added any APIs or or broken any APIs, but very likely. Somebody who's using your library may be actually depending on an existing bug, and so when you go fix it, you've then just broken them. So what does breaking actually mean? Like, like fixing a bug can very easily be a breaking change to somebody's code. And so I, I don't know i well, i i uh, i have my issues with Semver. I don't think that it actually is solving the problem that needs to
1: be solved. That's one of the things that the Java eleven um, packaging system module system, they explicitly decided not to manage uh, versioning. You know, not to do anything with versioning. And the thing is, it seems like there are things that the compiler could do that would be very valuable. And the yeah. more I think about versioning, I mean, I remember when Barry Hawkins told me he's going, "Oh yeah, there's this you know version thing that." in Python that you should use. And I go, ah, my Python code works. I don't have to do that. And then the longer that I've seen it, the more I'm thinking about it going, oh, I mean, this is really different code. I mean, we're talking an old version and new version. There, that's Those are different pieces of code. And you you can't, what we're doing is we're treating them as the same piece of code Yeah, yeah. and without the version. And so that and there there was talk initially of trying to include versioning with the module system, but then it, I don't know, it was too hard or, you know, whatever they decided, no, the build tool should manage all the versioning. And I think there would be a lot of advantages for the language itself to, I mean, there's, there's that language. So unison is the one, right? Yeah. They're the, they,
0: they keep solving the fundamental, like actual problems whereas mm-hmm. Semver doesn't actually solve any fundamental mm-hmm. problems. So what Unison does is every function has a hash of the function. And really what you're doing, there is no like concept of versions. What you do is you you essentially depend on a hash and the compiler is all doing this for you. And if you want to use a new version, then you're just pointing to the new
1: hash uh, of does the Does it thing. distinguish between like comments and code? with the hash? Cause it seems that's like a good question. you should sure. be able to change yeah. comments without changing. the Right. Hash. Right. Yeah. That's, I would think that they do, but yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, so they think sure about, about stuff like that. So you yeah. would think, yeah, but, but because then you look at it and you go, yeah, that's a different, th- these are different things. They don't have a different pre- hash. They are don't different. Pretend that they're the same, that's which right. is what we're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. So I mean, I guess that's once what again, unison is they, they, they look at what are the fundamental problems and how do we solve those? And that's what I certainly appreciate
1: about it. It is pretty using. intriguing,
0: but they have to like rethink the universe. You
1: know? Yeah, it's like start it's with like your build it's, system problem. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> pretty soon they're going to be going, we need a different process. Well, it's like Linus, Linus um, Torvalds was saying this uh, week he was going, yeah, I he's really not Intel, huh? Intel, because they steered us away from having um, uh, memory with um i don't know built-in checked memory or oh, something ecc ecc That's right, ECC, right. ECC. Yeah, yeah he was and he it's apparently been kind of a bane of huh. his existence is huh. not having that I'm and he's that like nine ecc intel yeah there's a picture of him giving the finger to <laughs> intel because he's so frustrated by yeah. it so but maybe he can i mean if anybody can get companies to change and start adding that yeah because he's saying that oh yeah bits are flipping all the time <laughs> and uh wow and we don't have any way of then they, then they have to check it in the compiler
0: or the kernel
1: right right uh oh, all right well that was fun that, from from our standpoint anyway another successful podcast it's, it's fun for you and i it is that's and you know well it's very much like what i'm talking about you know taking the pressure off yourself not trying to achieve something you know it's, it's, and then it becomes an enjoyable experience that's right we have achieved nothing but everything yes